everybody. Welcome to Losing Your Mind with Chris Cosentino. I'm sitting here with Rick Gencarelli, former Boston guy, Connecticut, wicked pisser, moved to Portland. Yeah, dude. Dude, he's wicked cool. He makes sandwiches at a place called Lotto. Fucking extra hot. Extra hot. Extra hot. Uh, Rick and I go way back. Um, way back. <laughs> that makes us sound old, right? We are old. We are old, yeah. So um, I met Rick when he moved to San Francisco, and we were working at Rubicon together. And uh, he had been uh, a little bit at Aqua and a couple other spots and <laughs> came over to Rubicon, and we had the, a lot of fun working really hard. And uh, now Rick is taking over uh, the world one sandwich at a time. And uh, I'm yeah. really stoked to have you here, man. This is uh, really fun. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Yeah. I mean, we're in the rabbit hole. We're in the rabbit hole. We're in Portland. And so, you know, growing up, we both grew up in New England. Mm-hmm. And then we crossed paths in San Francisco. And, you know, previously you were working with Todd. Todd, Todd English. Yeah. I did that for 10, uh, well, so all, all in on and off for 10 years, but I started fresh out of culinary school. Well, I should back up because I was, uh, I was eating at olives in the original olives in Charlestown back when, um, I wasn't, I hadn't even gone to culinary school yet. I was in my twenties and I was eating at this tiny little restaurant that just opened up that was getting a lot of attention. And, uh, yeah, I just, he, you know, Todd's food blew my mind. We're going back like, you know, in the nineties. So nobody had ever really, it was like a first for a lot of people in Boston to eat polenta and, um, you know <laughs> what sounds, I mean? <laughs> well, polenta in a restaurant, they were eating it in their homes. The yeah, old school Italians were, sure, but not in a restaurant. Yeah. And then, you know, he had the wood fired grill and the wood fired oven and you could smell the place from, from, from several blocks away. And it was just so exciting. I didn't know, I just didn't know food could taste like that. It was just had a very, um, profound impact on me as a, as a young, uh, as a young guy who was in, in the food industry, but never, you know, I wasn't cooking. I did some cooking, but not very seriously, you know, just, you know, dumb stuff. And then, um, so he kind of inspired me to go to culinary school, especially back then, like when the economy tanked and my job was just, you know, I was doing like volume feeding, um, corporate stuff in Boston. And I was basically like a lunch lady and I was very unhappy. Were you wearing um, the special socks, <laughs> and stockings, and the hairnet? The hairnet. <laughs> That's what I was doing. It was. I mean, it was. I learned a lot. It was fun, but I wasn't really. I wasn't really satisfied. And I always, you know, that was a perfect opportunity for me to go to culinary school. So that that's what happened. Um, went to CIA. I was 25, and at the time, I felt old. You know, I was like, uh, like I'm, I'm among the older people here at culinary school. But you know, had I gone when I was 18, I would have. I would have oh, screwed it up like everything else that I screwed up when I was 18. So I took it seriously and I loved it. I learned a lot. I was into it. And the, for the first time in my life, I was doing well at something that was, you know, scholastic, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and being in a kitchen for sure, like appealed to the, you know, the, the, the part of me that's very ADHD and, you know, our generation obviously didn't yeah. get, we didn't get diagnosed. We didn't, 
No, we were called retards. We were called retards. Seriously, I mean, and you know, you know, we're not supposed to say that anymore, but that's that's what they call you know, put those kids in the special ed class. They're 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 retarded. They they can't do yeah, it. Yeah, mostly mostly I had the same sort of like your son doesn't pay attention. He can't focus. He doesn't apply himself. You know, because I was too distracted and anyway, yeah, I get now, it. You know, Trust I got me, I was that kid. Yeah, now I got um. Anyway, so I was stoked. I was I found something that I really wanted to do and I, I was pretty good at it. And then so a couple of weeks before I graduated, I gave uh, Olives a call. And I was like, um, yeah, I'm going to be getting out of CIA in a couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, I want to work for you guys. And it turned out to be Todd on the phone, which was bizarre to me. And he said, just get here on Saturday. I was like, OK. And then I went there on Saturday uh, and that was it. You got turned it. inside out that day, though, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> it was it was pretty bonkers. Yeah, I mean, it was a busy place, man. Back that was at the height of its sort of popularity, you know, and you know, doing doing like two hundred and seventy covers uh, on a Saturday night, and just a, like a ginormous menu. I had never seen. It was like a Greek diner. It was huge. The stuff he was doing and the amount of food he was putting out of that kitchen was just astounding. So. I loved it. I, I went back. Uh, two weeks later, I graduated. I started working at Olives the day after I graduated culinary school, and I, I didn't look back for four years. I, and even when I like put my notice in to leave, uh, he'd give me, you know, he'd make me a sous chef, or he'd, uh, you know, talk me into staying. I, I, you know, I really loved it. And I, but in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, my, am, am I spending too much time here? You know, I have to really well, I have to make my culinary experience pretty well-rounded but um it turned out great uh i did a lot of cool stuff uh with him ended up opening uh uh the the w hotel in uh in new york lived in manhattan for a while uh right before 9-11 anyway yeah then you in between all Francisco. that i met you yeah, yeah. I, I i left i left for a while sheila my my then girlfriend now wife sheila and i Drove across country. We were like, we're getting out of Boston. We're going to go check out San Francisco. And I had already been there for my externship at Aqua. That was a great experience. And I went back with Sheila. And um, that's when I got a job at, uh, I got a job at Rubicon. That's where I worked with you. And. Uh, Dude, we were the dynamic duo. Yeah, it was amazing. Those was days fun. were awesome. We had fun. And I still say to this day, you uh, really were one of the best line cooks I've ever seen. I, I, I tell people that all the time because it's true. And you used to bail me out of the shits like crazy. That kitchen was hard, man. That was hard. We were busy. Yeah, just saute and grill with a guy with a, what's his name doing uh, Garmage, right? Joe DiPola. Joe DiPola. Joe, get Joe. in touch if you're out there, kid. I want to talk to you. Joe DiPola. <laughs> and who was on Hot Apps? It was Joe DiPola. <clears throat> Well, Joe, no, Joe was hot. Joe apps, was hot he? apps. It was somebody else on, on, uh, on, uh, on the cold side, on the cold side. It was literally a four person station. Then pastry yeah. was upstairs. Yeah. 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 And it was like 150 100, on a slow night. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Like crazy. And Raj was Raj Raj. And now he's a, you know, he's, he's a, a master star. Son. He's a superstar. He was a food runner then yeah. training with training with Larry Stone. And it was Scott Newman. And I mean, it was a Greg Hardesty. Yeah. 
Oh, last, yeah. I, I lost touch with all those guys. But man, what a... Mama Celeste? <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh She's the God. bomb, dude. She's the bomb. How do you remember those names? Yada. Yada. Oh my God. That's right. So I think, you know, when we look at those times and, you know, and you, and you see, you know, you then left um, San Francisco and you moved to Vermont. Well, well, I know I moved, I left San Francisco, I moved to New York City. That's when I did that project for Todd. And at then the w you Hotel. went to Vermont. And then, yes, had Luke, my first, our first son living on the Upper East Side with a um, toddler, um, did a opened opened olives in the hotel and then um got pregnant with number two and then 9-11 and it was all just sort of things pointed things pointed out of new york you know it was all sort of like it was all sort of writing on the wall sheila had this idea to move to burlington vermont she had done her residency um at, you know, when she was in uh, pharmacy school she had done a residency in Winooski and she was convinced that v Vermont was you know especially Burlington that little pocket of uh, of Vermont was the place to go and raise kids and have a better quality of life and a bigger yard and so um we moved yeah so I moved out of out of New York City into Burlington Vermont it was like driving 105 miles an hour and then just slamming on the brakes because I had no job. Um, I didn't know what I was going to do. I had taken a job at New England Culinary Institute. And so just kind of a restart. I've done that. I mean, I'm sure just like you have. And as a cook, um, you have to restart every 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 once in a while just because that's how this industry is. You You get to a certain point with a certain chef or a restaurant, and then you hit a ceiling and you have to move or go to a new place. And, you know, you have to kind of, reestablish yourself so that's that's what i did several times on uh, the course of uh in the course of you know learning learning different things and yeah vermont was cool it you got, were at shelburne farms for a while yeah i was the chef at the inn at shelburne farms for four years yeah. yeah and then you and then you came to portland i mean that was i remember getting that text yo dude i'm going to portland <laughs> yeah who do you know yeah, I didn't. That's the thing. Zero. You know, I didn't know anyone and I didn't know anyone that knew anyone. And Portland was just this like this island off on the West Coast. I'd never been. I knew nothing about it. All I knew is that, you know, I had just gotten I had just seen the the front page of the Wednesday food section in the New York Times. And it was Gabe Rucker and um, and his two sous chefs. And uh, and the whole article was about how this is like the the land of do-it-yourself restaurants, and everyone's kind of uh, you know uh, opening these restaurants that are on a shoestring budget, and you know everything everything was sounded so fascinating. And then I read about uh, Forest Park and the Gorge and all the all the natural beauty and all the outdoorsiness and all the sort of like um, Oh, the lifestyle sounded fantastic, you know, and it sounded like it had all all of the elements of Vermont that we love, but all of, some of the elements of that we missed about being in New York City. So, you know, a vibrant food scene, um, more music and culture, and a city, a city, yeah, and to be able to live, you know, in the uh, in the city limits, 
you know, have a house and not have to be far out, you know, um, it'll all appeal to us. So, yep, packed up and moved yet again. And, uh, and then a year after I moved here, I, um, I opened up a food cart. Yeah. And Lardo, Lardo began, I mean, the food truck, Yeah, the food truck as Lardo started and, and you have taken Lardo from <clears throat> a cart to multi brick and mortar locations. You're at what? Three now locations in Portland proper of Lardo. No, there's two, two in Portland. Why am I getting, why am I thinking? Well, I did. There was a, there was a North Williams, which we closed, uh, probably, you know, it was going back a few years, uh, opened up, uh, opened up a, a, lo a third location in, in the North, uh, North Williams neighborhood. And, uh, yeah, it just didn't, didn't work out. But you have Grasa. Yeah. There's three Grasa locations as of, you know, a few months ago, we opened up the third Grasa location on Hawthorne and there's the Lardo in Vegas. In Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been a fun 10 years. You know, it's been growth. It's been a lot of learning. We've had some we've had some bumps, but uh, for the most part, it's been uh, it's just been it's just been great. You know, I, I hope it uh, hope we continue to grow and people continue to come in and and uh, and like what we do. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they obviously do. Vegas is doing very well. Hmm. People love you there. People love you here. You know, Grasa, you just opened a new location, which has a, a pretty visible commissary style pasta production kitchen, right? Yeah, it's the first one that's sort of, um, the, the dream was always to be, be be able to produce pasta in front of in front of people. We tried to do it downtown when we opened the first one, but uh, the logistics of bringing water to that area in front of the window was, it was gonna be too, you know, cost prohibitive and, and, and just a ton of work and it wasn't worth it. So we just decided to wait. And then, um, uh, my partner, Nick Sherman saw an opportunity in this, uh, in this new spot where we could have this giant sort of pasta palace visible from two sides, you know, like a corner spot visible from the street. It's got a lot of room. So I actually end up spending a lot of time there just because of, just the fact that I can I can work there and not be in the way. We just don't have a lot of room in most of our shops where I can spend time in the kitchen. You know, downtown's super small. Hawthorne is tiny. Um, so it's been great. It's been great to sort of, you know, I kind of got back. I, I cooked, I've been cooking more than I have in, in past years and it feels really good to kind of get back to it. So I'm sure you know, like, as you, as you take on different responsibilities and you do more owner things and, you know, you find yourself getting away from your hands in the food. And now I, I've kind of uh, been enjoying a little more hands-on. It's made me feel a little more connected, you know? So did you, when you look at where and what you started, you know, where you were starting when you started cooking and working with Todd and, and I mean, you've, Lardo crushes like people go ape shit for sandwiches and you have rules on sandwiches. So let's go over the sandwich rules, which I always think are fun. So yeah, <laughs> the sandwich rules are really important. I, I agree with them and I just think they're really important. People need to know there are rules to making sandwiches. Yeah. I mean, everyone has their own little set of rules. Lardo has always been like, um, it started with 
it started with a very small handful of sandwiches. Uh, those sandwiches are still on the menu, but um, but essentially, you know, I mean, yeah, we heat all of our bread. That's one of the things. Like, I don't like cold bread. I eat cold sandwiches. Like, I, I'll go to Whole Foods and get a turkey sandwich because I can't eat my own food. Not at, you know, at this stage in my life, I have to like you know dial it back and, and eat a little healthy, especially because. You know, you know what it's like to try to ride a bike when you you're not haven't been take care, take, <laughs> haven't been taking care of yourself. <laughs> but the sandwiches that, that we serve at Lardo have, yeah, we we um, it's hot bread, and they're very sloppy. Not very sloppy, but just sloppy enough. We say ten napkins per sandwich, and then uh, you know, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what the rest of the rules are. We try to make it delicious. Try to make it memorable. Um, yeah, we're working on some, we're working on some fun stuff for the spring. You guys do a full chef, witch program, right? And then each chef that you guys partner with gets to choose a charity. Yes. Yes. Which I think is amazing. That's been the most fun. And I, I kind of, I give a lot of, I give a lot of things away to, you know, I've kind of held that one kind of close. Um, I, uh, sort of like a a personal thing for me. I, I scout the chefs out uh, and I meet with them. We we cook together. We test the recipes out. We we um, you know, it's sort of like a process that I enjoy. And it's been it's coming up on eight years now for one chef every month. And it's um, it almost didn't really make it because it's just a lot of work. It's just a it's just a time suck. You know what I mean? And then you got to you know hope that these guys will these chefs will get back to you and and give you recipes that work and <laughs> hopefully the sandwich is good and then it'll sell. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it can be challenging, but it, it's been a great process and we've raised a lot of money over, over the last uh, eight years. And um, yeah. And for the most part, every chef gets to pick their nonprofit to be the benefactor. This time of year we ramp up for no kid hungry, which is something, I mean, the, you and I have both been working with for several years. Yep. I think you and Chris Domino got me into Chef Cycle and, and No Kid Hungry. And that was probably four four years ago. And so now this time of year, I try to find chefs that are going to be on board for raising money for No Kid Hungry because I think it's great. And um, and I want to reach my goal. <laughs> <laughs> the goal is hard. The goal is serious. It is, yeah, it just keeps getting higher and higher. So... I think as a team this year, um, we're probably, I think we're 21 riders strong and our goal is 150,000. That's great. So we'll see, you know, we'll see. And hopefully, hopefully it doesn't get canceled. You know, it's, this is a scary times, you know, coronavirus, a lot of things are getting canceled. Like your, your, your kid's school just got canceled today. Yeah, um, they just, they're, they were talking about canceling the Olympics. They're so freaked out. Right, right, right. So we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully we all meet in Bend in June and have a great three days of riding. Either way, we're going to raise some money. And I don't know. If there isn't a ride, uh, then I don't, I don't then know. Then you'll what go we'll ride do. your bike instead. Yeah. We'll all get on our Wahoo kickers and meet on, uh, in a very safe, 
you know, germ-free environment in our basement. And <laughs> <laughs> we'll all agree to meet at the, what is it, Wahooian, Wahoolian Hill. I think it's Watopia. Watopia. Yeah, we're going to have a chef cycle, Watopia, 300 miles in three days. I'll kill myself before I put 300 miles on, a, on an indoor trainer. I think that would be, I mean, people do it. Well, I don't understand it. I can barely get through an hour. It works. I, no, I no, dig no. it. I mean, I mean I can, you're on Zwift. We're no, I do there. like. I do like it. I'm not. I'm. I'm not. I'm not a hater. I. I, I get on it and I, I. get the job done. But, oh man, some of those. Some of those miles are long. Some of those <laughs> miles are rough too. Yeah. Have well, you, I want to get into one of those uh, rides where you actually do like some. You know, I don't. I know people host some crazy rides. You should. Right? You should do the Maddie Heyman Perry Roubaix training. It's an hour and forty five minutes. All right. It's rough. <laughs> Sounds rough. How do you, you, you get, I wish you had the thing that makes it bumpy. No, right? <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, it's all like, you know, certain amount at 245 Watts and then you got a jacket for 760 for a certain amount of seconds and then oh. it drops and then you get a play. It's really fun. It's yeah, a worthwhile. Like crazy, one. crazy intervals. Intervals and yeah. steady pace and it's good. It works. So you, you've had, you've interviewed some pretty big uh, pro cyclists, right? Yeah, I feel pretty fortunate. I've been able to meet with some really cool people. There's, yeah, there's a lot cool. of folks out there doing a lot of cool things. And uh, Peter Stetton has been on board. Bob Rolls, come on. Um, we've had, uh, let's see, Ali Tetrick, Yuri Huswald. So um, Andrew Talansky, you cool. know, um, I'll be interviewing uh, Greg LeMond this this uh, May. So oh, pretty, oh, right, right, right. So I'm super excited about that. But, you know, it's it's for me, this is really ultimately about connecting with people and letting people kind of explain how they got from point A to point B. Right. Yeah. A lot of people want to know, like, how did you decide to start Lardo? What is it that made you say, you know, I've been in the kitchen and I've cooked, you know, what most people at that time were considering fine dining. And, you know, I wanted to, you know, what is it that made you say, you know what, I'm going to shift gears. And I'm going to put that type of effort into the most beautiful sandwich. Yeah. For a lot of folks, they don't know how to make that turn and make that bigger decision in life and say, you know what, this is going to be the best direction for me. Yeah. It happened totally by accident. And I, and, and that's part of one of the things that I love about this, the being in this business, it's taken me into some, it's taken me to some really weird places. I, I never really had a plan but I kept just working and, and, and trying my best. And I tried to, you know, just stay focused and, uh, opening the cart was totally Sheila's idea. You know, there was just this, it's 10 years ago in Portland, there were so many of these pods opening up and so many people just like testing out their concepts. And, um, it just seemed like a perfect opportunity for me to just get somewhere to get my, I, I didn't have any, any juice here in Portland at all. I knew no one. Um, and I knew I didn't really want to work for anybody. I had reached a point in my career where I was like, kind of need to do my own thing. Don't know how I'm going to do that, but I'm, I'm at, I'm, it's too late for me to go take a job, you know, as someone's chef, I would have done it for the good of my family because it was, it was either that or, you know, not work. But the cart presented itself as this kind of medium ground where I could work, get my name out. Hopefully people liked it. And then I'd have options. You, you know? had Dario Cicchini show up. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The madman from Ponzano 
And that was uh, that was a fantastic. I have Kathy Wims. Um, I have her to thank for that. That was great. Um, they all rolled in one kind of cold, early winter day and, and just drank wine. And I fed them porchetta. And it was really nice. That was one of my fondest memories of being on the cart. And the cart had some really rough days. But that was, that was definitely one of the highlights, um, being able to share food with Dario. And he's going to be back next well this month yeah i know yeah march 22nd yeah yeah i talked i just was with him in south beach all right yeah he's like you'll be in portland (laughs) my alata yeah i love him he's he's, carne he's so amazing he is bigger than life i I look forward to the my alata every year and you know he's just such a big part of it um so yeah open the cart made sandwiches and my my background of being in more of a fine dining full service and atmosphere i just kind of I, I fought it a lot that I would be a sandwich guy. You know, it was kind of like, you know, it bummed me out a little. I felt like I was slumming it or I was just kind of like um, not working to my potential. And I, I guess I had to get over that, you know, because once I opened Lardo on Hawthorne, as you know, the first brick and mortar, I found this sandwich shop and it was very hard to open it and get it running. But then after a while, I found myself being able to be home for dinner most nights and my stress level was lower and I found that we could grow this thing and had, it had potential to be something that could be scalable. And then I could have, you know, I could make an actual living, you know, and and this, this business, you know, you just, there are no, there are no, 401ks for uh for chefs right there's no retirement plan it's like you know you have uh, a bad back and a drinking problem and and your feet hurt and in your restaurant is you know it's only as good as when you're there and that's the reality right and when it's done you've got uh you know you've got a bunch of equipment that's worth about 10 cents on the dollar and, and then what do you do you know and it, this this model provided me with some stability and some sort of hope for you know, um, maybe retiring or whatever, some, some, some sort of, uh, you know, comfort. So, uh, and then I guess the, my, one of my biggest worries is that I was going to be bored. You know, it's not going to be challenging. Making sandwiches is not that, not that exciting, but it it just, I was, I couldn't have been more wrong. It it had a whole different set of challenges. Um, you know, uh, learning how to manage lots of employees and managing food cost and you know it all it all just had this lots of layers of challenges that I didn't I didn't anticipate so bread inventory <laughs> and everybody he, he's laughing but he knows I'm dead serious that's no joke yeah try to manage bread oh my god that's, that's the worst yeah so it is but, literally people don't people think I'm kidding it's not a joke like that is one of the most, you can't run out of bread. Yeah. I've only, I, I, I say this and I credit, um, when I first started out, I was buying my bread from Florida Lee and I only ran out, I think in the two years I was running Lardo as a food cart, I only ran out maybe three times and it was later in the, later in the night. So I, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that, but I also credit Greg Mistel for making trips to the cart <laughs> You know, I'd call him, he would come and deliver bread anytime. And it was just the greatest thing, you know, so. And now we have our own bakery, which gives me a lot of nice, real nice flexibility. 
to create sandwiches that have specific breads and special bakes and toppings and special doughs. And so it's been fun. You know, the guys at uh, Gabe and Josue and, and Tiffany at Dos Hermanos are, have been so much fun to work with. Yeah, we just moved into a new commissary space, which is very exciting for us. Big, brand new uh, location. So I feel like we're built for built for growth. You know, we've got another, um, we've got Larda, we've got Grasa in Vancouver happening in a couple of months. And then spring of 2021, we've got a Lardo and a Grasa in uh, Lake Oswego. So, and then we'll probably take a little, little breather after that and make sure uh, everything's running okay. Wow. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's but, a I lot. Mean, you're, but you're also, you know, you have great people you work with. You've built a, a great team, you know. And when you look at Grasa, I mean, that is like as comfort as it comes. That's that's New England childhood. You've basically set up what we grew up with as kids in New England as Italian-American. Oh, totally. Yeah, that's like as I hate to say it, it's as Dago as you can get. Yeah, it's pretty Dago, but with like a nice hipster twist on it. You know? Yeah, <laughs> you I mean, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, some of those the 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 Grasa menu more than half of it is based on stuff that you and I both ate as kids. Aliolio was something that like that's what I ate in my house when there was nothing else to eat. It was always there was always some kind of boxed spaghetti in the cupboard. There was always garlic. There was always olive oil. There was always crushed red pepper. You never, you never went hungry. The kitchen, you know, there's always Parmesan cheese, right? So that was it. You know, if, if there was nothing else, you had ali olio and, and it made me happy. And then Sunday pork ragu. Sunday gravy. Depends Sunday. on, depends on who you are. Oh, it was always, it was always gravy when I was growing up. I mean, you but too? it depends. I mean, gravy for my grandmother was making tomato sauce on Sunday when she went to church. Yeah, yeah. So, but not with meat in it. She oh. just made she just made a tomato that she would simmer when, when, when she went to church. Not you know, okay. Not she wouldn't make a the ragu was in you know gravy, but right, right. But everybody has their own versions. Yeah, so. for us the ragu the gravy was always um meat. Gravy was always yeah always started with some kind of pork product. Sometimes it was just scraps of shoulder or a couple of ribs in there. As long as it started with pork, you know, it was okay. Yeah. Was, yeah, okay. And then you'd eat the, the meat was always separate from the yeah. tomato sauce, right? Yeah. So we got that on the menu. We got, um, you know, our version of cacio pepe and, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, then we kind of have four or five things that rotate seasonally or at our whim when we're feeling like changing it up. But the idea is that it's all very, very rooted in comfort food and it's accessible. Um, you know, meatballs, garlic bread, and wine and wine on tap, and it's fun and it's it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's cool because we we make we make the pasta, both dough the egg dough and the extruded dough, so you can see it being made. There's this element of freshness and quality that are attached to That's it. Craftsmanship, you know, people love seeing that. Yeah, it, it connects people to their childhood, seeing grandma or just you know realizing that it's still a handmade product. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, the kids, you know, the kids love it. People take photos and it's kind of a centerpiece now where, you know, we didn't know. We, we Nick and I, uh, my, our, my partner and director of operations, Nick Sherman, you know, we put this together just kind of like at night 
you know, at, at late night at Lardo downtown, trying to figure out what we we're going to do with this middle space. The LLC for Gross downtown is still middle space because we didn't have an idea what we were going to do with it. And then we just sort of had this idea. like It's literally the LLC is called middle space. Yeah, because we just didn't know what to call it. <laughs> so it's middle space LLC. And uh, it all started with a conversation about, uh, you know, doing something that was counter service, like using that Lardo model. But, but what else could we do? I'm like, well, I've been making pasta since I've been eating pasta my whole, my whole life. I've been making it. Um, you know, Todd English taught me how to make a lot of pasta. I loved it as soon as I started doing it. And so it stuck with me. And then all through my career, I, I made pasta in any kitchen that, that I was hired in if they would allow me. And if they wanted to kind of make a small investment in a pasta, on a pasta roller, um, I would do it. And then, so that's how Grasso was born. Just, we need to do something with this middle space and we have no fucking idea what we're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, and now you're, you have three Grasso locations. So, I mean, it's, it's really great to see that it's coming. There's a back, there's a backstory to all of it. It all goes back to our childhood. Sure. You know? The, yeah. sub, the sub shop was a thing when we were kids, you know, you went, oh, yeah. got a, you got a sub or a hero or a grinder or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, when I was in, uh, I used to call it a wedge. Is that what you used to call it? I've never heard it called a wedge. Yeah. Well, in Connecticut, it was, I called it a wedge. And then in New York, it was a sub, but either way. Um, we don't have a lot of those classics. I think there's a guy named, uh, there's DeMarco's here now doing it very classic style and I haven't been, but I want to go check him out because it looks very, very, very New York slash, you know, New England. Oregano vinaigrette everywhere. Oh yeah. 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 So that's so funny. So you guys partnered with a group to do a project in Japan, correct? Yeah. So a few years ago, uh, we, we met, uh, a, a group from a town 90 miles north of Tokyo called Maibashi, which is in the Gunma prefecture. And uh, they were interested in bringing Portland concepts to this, this area of Japan. And uh, the, the, the principal of, of, of the project, uh, Mr. Tanaka, he has uh, he was born and raised in this town of Maibashi. It's since gone, you know, into sort of a state of economic decline because of the economy, and and so his his dream is to revitalize his home, his birthplace, because it was once a very thriving, vibrant place, center for retail and commerce, basically just hanging out. And, and now it's, it's kind of a bit of a, a lot of people have moved out and, uh, and he wants to rebuild it. And so we, we decided that would be a cool thing to be a part of. And it's still there. We visit once a year and it's, yeah, it's Grasa, Japan. It's, it's, it's very weird and very wonderful. That's awesome. Um, yeah. It's, it's really fun to go visit and make pasta with those guys and, uh, and just see how it's doing, you know, not not a whole lot has changed over the years, but I think, you know, I think Mr. Tanaka 
is still is still a believer that it's going to emerge and that it's going to be back to you know hopefully somewhere close to where where it once was and it's just exciting to be to be um you know on the ground floor of that to if it if it happens and we could say that you know hopefully we had something to something to do with it something to add to it and uh, I, i've heard a rumor that your partner is kind of looked at as a uh a, a demigod there is that true yeah yeah so nick sherman is a six six hovering around 285 pounds and big beard lots of tattoos and um they have never seen anything like nick especially i mean in tokyo you know he still gets stared at but when we get into Maibashi, which is you know a smaller community, um, a little more rural. They um, they absolutely like they want to take photos with them, and they want to challenge them to drinking contests, which is always a mistake. <laughs> for who them or him? Oh, for them. Yeah, I don't. And Nick's undefeated. <laughs> Can shotgun a beer and you know in a record amount of time. So uh, yeah, he's an anomaly. They they're totally fascinated by by Nick in, in Japan. He's fun to travel with because we just make friends everywhere we go. Because I it's like a he's like a circus attraction, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Nick. You know it's true though. He knows. He loves it. Are you kidding me? He does love. He it. loves it. How could you not? So, you know, recently you've well, not recently now. You're you're three years in, four years in of of, of really. Um, you know, you've really embraced Portland. You, you know, you're, you, I see you on the street screaming bike rights on the corner, <laughs> you know, bicycle living, rights, bicycle rights, living your Portlandia dream. You put a bird, where's your bird tattoo? Yeah. It's, you can't see it. You can't see it. But I think, you know, let's talk a little bit about, you know, what you guys are doing with uh, sack lunch PDX and, you know, chef cycle, no kid hungry, which, you know, we've done multiple times together now. Yeah. And there is a huge contingency of folks up here who show up every year um, and raise a ton of money for which, you know, we all believe is a great cause, which is that no child should go to school hungry. No, no kid should go hungry. Right. Um, every dollar we're able to raise can put, you know, uh, feed 10 kids a whole grain, a whole fruit and a whole milk you know, that's sitting on their desk when they arrive at school. So, you know, who is part of Sack Lunch now? Um, it's grown pretty. It's grown a lot, and it started with, uh, with you know, me and me and Chris Domino. Sort of, I had done the ride with him already, and then we decided that uh, let's see if anyone else is interested. You know, because we know plenty of chefs, plenty of restaurant people. Some of them already ride. Some of them want to ride, and then. Um, yeah, it started as a conversation about getting how do we get these people together and how do we make this a bigger, more more communal event. And so it happened pretty naturally. Matt Christensen, avid avid cyclist and friend. Um, uh, Krista Anderson from New Seasons. Uh, she does all of the uh, prepared foods. And her husband, Jeff, are have been there since day one. I think she's ridden every chef cycle, if I'm not mistaken. Kate? Probably not. The, Kate from Play Nice PR. We have, uh, oh man. I put you on the spot. I'm drawing a blank now. But uh, 
I'm trying to name names. Uh, Patrick uh, Kreitzen from Tillamook. And um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matt Sigler, not on our team, but he's riding with Kimpton. And uh, yeah, whole bunch of whole bunch of cool people. Yeah. So are you still doing group rides uh, every week and trying to get everybody out there together and training? Yeah. We've actually made an official group ride Sunday, 9 a.m. We meet at Elevator Coffee uh, and then we just decide on a route, you know, maybe the day or night before. And we try to make it a, you know, a no drop casual ride. Um, How does that work out? Yeah, it, it, it sometimes it works out okay, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's cool. Everyone everyone pushes each other and wants to go longer or harder or climb bigger hills. But in the end, no, we're not, you know, you know, as long as they wait for me, the old man at the top of the hill, I'm fine. Um, it's uh, it's great. It's great. Yeah, it's just watching people, you know, feel good about themselves and get in shape and you know, the, the thing for me, the, 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 the coolest thing for me is that to know that we, we directly have an impact on these kids, you know, because we, when we go to the events, they bring in uh, principals and, and guidance counselors and teachers, and they, they tell us firsthand that, that, that the food that these kids have in the morning is having a direct, a direct impact on how they perform their ability to pay more attention they're, you know, going to school more. They're showing up more, which is amazing because they're looking forward to going in and having breakfast. breakfast. And then and then once you start to do better, you want to do more of it. It's kind of like riding a bike, right? The, the better you do at it, the more, the more you want to ride it. And so it's kind of a, you know, it helps me get up that hill. As corny as that sounds, like if I'm suffering, there's no suffering like being hungry, right? Yeah. So you know, it kind of motivates me to, uh, you know, to ride stronger and to raise more money. So yeah, yeah, it's been great. You know, it's kind of inspired me to, to, um, to be a little more thoughtful about how I drink and how I eat. I didn't plan on, on quitting drinking, but I'm in my now, um, since, uh, January, February into March now. So I'm, 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 I'm into my third month without, without any alcohol. And, um, yeah, I, I feel pretty good. So I don't know where that's going to take me, but, um, for now, you know, giving it a break is, is, has felt pretty good. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a really interesting dynamic when you take a lot of us who stand on our feet for long periods of time, right? Running is not the healthiest thing for us. Let's be honest. It's too, too abusive on our joints yeah. and we get out there and we're low impact and we're out there riding for multiple hours. You really kind of get, you get some clarity and there is some solace and suffering, right? You, you're out there and you, you know, there's an end to the means for us. It may hurt on the climb, but we know after the climb's over, there's going to be some food. We're going to have rest, you know? And I think like what you said, you know, these kids, they go to school with nothing in their bellies and now they're looking forward to what's waiting there for them yeah. because they are able to function better in school. School's easier. They want to go back prior to that. They were suffering because they were hungry and they weren't able to focus and their school suffered. And you and I are not going to cure cancer. Nope. And I don't think anybody in our <laughs> age bracket, I hate to say it is going to come up with that magical answer. None of us in our age bracket are ever going to walk on the moon or Mars, but one of these kids will. 
Yeah. Know? One of these kids will have the opportunity to do that if we give them the opportunity by helping to put food on the table to yeah. give them the opportunity to learn to make those next steps forward. And I think that's a really big, really yeah. big thing. Yeah. I mean, and you, you have, uh, you know, you have a son, I've got, I've got a couple of boys and, you know, just it's the idea of sending them to school without anything to eat is, uh, you know, it just kind of crushes your soul a little bit. So, um, it resonates, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, totally. It hits home. It hit home for real. Yeah. You know, and like you said, when we see, like for instance, in Santa Rosa two years ago, and we rode by the school site that where the school burnt down and all the kids were standing outside. Yeah. That I remember very, very well. Yeah. We were riding together that day. Yeah. 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 There are images of, um, of Santa Rosa that, you know, just, that's the thing about this event. There are, there are little, you know, snapshots of time in, in the course of 300 miles in three days, you, you, a lot of it's a blur. You know, a but lot you of choose just, moments to remember. Yeah, but there's little pieces I do remember. And I do re- definitely remember the kids out in front of the school. And that was very moving. And um, I do remember listening to uh, the principal from that school and watching the slideshow. And that was just, uh, you know, just heart wrenching and, and beautiful that, you know, that we were all in that room, all 250 riders, you know, watching uh, her explain how things have changed in her school. So. Yeah, I feel very connected to it. And I think that, um, you know, I raise money for dozens of nonprofits and there are there. I mean, there's no such thing as a bad cause. But this one for me is just so, so, so close to my heart. I mean, it's kids. It's like it's yeah. we, our job in life has always been to feed people and make people smile. Exactly. And that's that's probably what a big part of it is. Right. We, we nurture people up for a living. So um, and that's what hospitality, uh, you know, at its root is. So. Um, feeding these kids is just a kind of an arm of that, you know? Yep, exactly. So the new, the new shops open, you're training. Are you training? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm not nearly enough training right now. Uh, This is, I honestly, um, this is more miles than I've had on my legs this time of year, um, in years past. So that's great. I got a long way to go, but I'm feeling uh, like I got a good head start. Usually we're starting, you know, in, uh, starting in march for a may ride so now it's june and so it's, it's a little bit easier <laughs> yeah. it's closer oh yeah being in bend is fantastic being the being the home team is uh is great um i should say um that chefcyclepdx.com is uh if anybody wants to donate that would be the best way to do it chef cycle pdx go there give some dough if you're feeling generous, you know what, folks? It's pretty straightforward. It's just like don't don't drink your latte. Don't have two lattes in a day. That's five bucks. So, take seven <laughs> days. Have one latte a day at Starbucks for so you do seven times five. That's thirty five bucks. Put that thirty five bucks in, and what that ends up doing is you're feeding three hundred and fifty kids. It's yep. a pretty simple number. It's just not hard for the math. Yeah. So, let's think about it that way. I like that. Right? Not hard. Not hard. But we take it for granted every day. Yeah. Yeah. Right? We, we take the little things for granted. And I think it's, uh, it's stuff like that. Being able to, to ride with your friends out there knowing you're doing the right thing is a pretty cool, pretty cool feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it just has, uh, yeah. It, there aren't a lot of times in your life where you spend four hours without your phone out in nature 
you know, pushing your body a little with, with people that you love right next to you. It's just a really cool thing. Um, yeah. Riding bikes. It's cool. It's cool. I mean, you know, it's funny. We get to wear superhero costumes, <laughs> AKA glorified underwear. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think somebody has to revolutionize the attire though. I mean, I'm ready for, I'm ready for a revolution in apparel in bike, in bike clothing. It's not going to happen, dude. It's as revolutionized <laughs> as it's getting. I mean, I fully embrace it. You know, I've got all the gear, but I just, you know, I, I guess uh, I'm, I'm, I long for that day when we're, we've got something, uh, just a tiny bit more, uh, you know, loose fitting. Yeah. A little more casual, less, uh, less superhero, less superhero, well, less, you... less two pounds of baloney in a one pound bag. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that one. I like that one, but I do understand it. There's, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a, yeah, a, a I couldn't methodology. Do, couldn't do hundred miles in a pair of gym shorts. Let's be honest. Right. No, you couldn't. Do, no. <laughs> Uh, and your jeans would be really comfortable, I'm sure. I see a lot of I see a lot of these guys out in uh, Portland in jeans in the rain, and I'm like, oh man, the chafe is gonna oh, be epic. I hope you got some. Hope you got some uh, moisturizer for later on, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so I like to do a quick round here, uh, where I ask a, a set of questions that's asked everybody pretty much the same thing, and no answers right, no answers wrong. It's just up to you. So, hamburger, hot dog, hamburger, ketchup, mustard, mustard, fries, onion rings, fries, nigiri, sashimi, <laughs> nigiri, red or white, <laughs> boxers or briefs. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't ask that one. Uh, Sex. <laughs> red or it's white? Got a pocket. Uh, Why? White. White. Coffee or tea? coffee sea urchin or caviar <laughs> sea urchin beef or pork pork wow donut or muffin <laughs> donut <laughs> <laughs> oh that's fun you know it's like bourbon tequila yeah you got to memorize too you're not even cheating i'm not even cheating i don't even have a cheat sheet anymore <laughs> No, I think there's there's so many fun things that have gone on. And I mean, you and I have known each other for so many years. So I think it's really fun to catch up. And Totally. You know, this I mean, is, you've, great. You've, you've lived your best life being you. And I think that's what's always been so exciting about you, Rick. You've always had a big smile on your face, even, you know, during when days are hard. And you've gotten from point A to point B on your terms. And that's what people want to hear about. Yeah. Know? Thanks, man. Yeah, it has been. Yeah, it's been it's been fun. For sure. And it's great seeing you too. I mean, from way back when, you know, and watching you grow and, uh, and it, it's, it's, it's great, man. It's really great. It's fun to see the people that you care about succeed. And to me, that's the most important thing right now. And, and, uh, it's been a lot of fun, you know, to watch from afar and, and now more so than ever, you know, be right here, you know, and be around and be able to hang out. And, you know, for a while we weren't able to do stuff. Now we're able to, you know, catch up, go ride bikes, dress up as bumblebees. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that just happened. It was just the, uh, it was just a spelling bee, um, which we will never week. be invited back to. Again. Oh, they didn't like us. They not, did they not like, like us it. at all. Turns out the academic crowd, uh, they don't really, uh, eh, you know, I shouldn't say that. We yeah, just... you can say that. I will. <laughs> so when you show up to a spelling bee dressed as bumblebees, people don't find it funny. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, some people do. We did. We certainly we did. It was hysterical. But um, they were a little. Uh, they were a little. They were wound a little tight, right? Uh, yeah. Was it me? No, it wasn't you. They were a little bound up on. I that didn't. One. Wasn't feeling the love from no. the. Uh, they were so excited when they kicked us out. They were like, "Get out!" <laughs> oh man, was that was fun. funny. That was one of the better ones we've done. Yeah, that was cool. We've was, done. I still some have dude. my. Um, I still have my bee costume. Yeah, we should bust it out for Chef Cycle. Do do a. Do a victory lap in our in our bee costumes. Oh my god! Talking about bike apparel, we could even have our you know our leggings on underneath the uh, bee costume. Oh man, what is it? What's the song that it goes to? Um, <clears throat> blind melon. Yeah, we can dance around in our little blind melon. <laughs> oh, I can see. And so, uh, yeah, for those of you that don't know, it's an annual fundraiser Schoolhouse Electric puts on and. You team up with someone else and you do a, uh, a spelling bee. And Chris uh, decided it would be a good idea to uh, to go out and dance on the stage to that song while we were dressed like bumblebees. <laughs> and I literally heard somebody from the crowd say, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Carrie thought it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. We were definitely having a good time, but they weren't. I mean, there was like some. We'll know better next time. There was a, like a Pulitzer Prize winner there. There was like some really smart folk. There's some heavy hitting brains on heavy that stage. hitting brains. Definitely, we were, it was like we what s- we spell goods. <laughs> we we were definitely at the wrong party. <laughs> I think they thought it was pretty funny. Let's get the uh, blue collar workers on there. Let's well, get- they, yeah, they have to mix it up, right? We were like the, uh, you know, we were the wild card. They might not know how to spell, but they may know how to spell. They may know how to spell the word food <laughs> or cook. Maybe. <laughs> I just didn't understand the, the score. The, the whole way they structured it was a little weird because we only misspelled one word, but it was enough to get us like out of the first round. So well, Somebody else spelled two words wrong and they got, yeah, they kept them. I think it's because yeah. our dancing skills were not up to par. Yeah, it was all fixed. It was fixed. We weren't fancy enough. We weren't famous <laughs> enough. There was famous. So was the famous person there. Uh, I I don't remember. It was like a someone on the news, right? Some TV show person. Yeah. Can't remember. It must not have been that famous. Me neither. Never saw their TV show. Your TV show stunk. Yeah. I don't care if you can <laughs> spell. Your TV show wasn't good. What was your name again? <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, if anybody wants to... You know, come to Portland. Make sure to check out Lardo and Grassa. When you're in Vegas, definitely go to the Cosmo. You're at Block 15. You're going to see Lardo there. Make sure you stop by. Uh, super fun spot. Go on the way to the club. Go on the way to the pool. Go on the way after the pool. You definitely will not be bummed out. You can get dirty fries. You can get clean fries. You can go crazy. But at the same time, it's the most comforting big hug um, if I'm correct, the mortadella is Rick's favorite. He may say it's not, but it is. He grew up with it. Oh, yeah, totally. So I, I still eat it. Yeah. Make sure you go by Lardo and check it out. And if you want to see what they're doing for the Chef Witch every day, it's going to be on the pig right out front. And that sandwich, you buy that sandwich, you're supporting that chef's charity. And each month is a different chef. So uh, make sure you check it out. And then next month? Chris Cosentino, Chef Chef Cosentino, Chef Witch, maybe? Oh, yeah. Can we talk about it? Oh, yeah. Let's do that. Let's do that. What nice. are we doing? I know what we're doing. I know what we're doing. Shh, we won't talk about yeah, it. Yeah, don't, don't say. Don't say secrets. It's a secret. Secret. Secret sandwich. All right. Later, skater. Later, skater.